Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of One Click Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey everybody, welcome back to B2B Made Simple. Uh, my special guest today is Angela Earl, the VP of Global Marketing at RFPIO. And I'm excited to jump into today, to today's conversation. But Angela, uh, first, welcome to the show and thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I was prepping and I'm excited to have the conversation. Awesome. Um, to kick things off, are you a Pepsi or a Coke person, if you had to choose? Coke all day long. Coke all day long. Okay. I am, I'm with that. Not literally, um, not literally. There's plenty yeah. of water in my life, but <laughs> you know, I barely, barely drink soda maybe once or twice a month, if that, and uh, if I had to choose, it would definitely be team Coke. So we're good there. <laughs> awesome. Um, so today I, we're going to be covering why B2B companies should be ungating their content. And I think a lot more uh, companies are actually catching on to this and realizing this is something we should do. And I want to get your perspective onto that today and kind of dive deep into like, why, why is it important? So, um, let's kick it off with that. Why should, um, B2B companies be ungating their content and why is it a thing of the past to gate your content? I mean, the answer is as simple as the question content is made to be consumed right? Whether that's read, watched, whatever. Um, if I want you to walk through a certain door, for example, or down a certain path, I'm going to clear the way, not build an obstacle course. So gates, I think anything else too. I mean, we, we kind of give gates the bad rap, um, you know, forms, whatever, but interstitials, pop-ups, they do the same thing. They interrupt the action you ultimately want the reader or the watcher to take. Um, it should be looked at closely and, and more than likely eliminated. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about the email addresses? Because that's an argument that they want to send these quote leads to their sales team and their sales team is, are depending on it, whether they're crappy or not. Um, and a lot of times like the C-suite, they're looking for that metric more than anything. How do you approach that? Yeah. I mean, I don't look at those people as leads. So maybe it's an mm -hmm. easier conversation for us internally, but I'll, I'll give you a working example. Um, my, my demand gen uh, manager came to me recently and said, okay, we're sponsoring this event and they have a raffle. Should we give away AirPods? And I said, if we do that, you're going to get a list of people who want AirPods. You're not going to get a list of people <laughs> interested in buying your software, right? And it's sort of that realization of like, what are you actually trying to achieve and what are you going to get in return? Um, and if you get a piece of content, you're going to get people willing to give you their contact information that may or may not be interested in having a next step conversation just yet. So I think we need to kind of, and, and this coming from a marketer who I started in ops, I'm super data-driven, reporting matters to me, but I think we need to let go of it a little bit with content and really seek to get the content read and consumed and focus on those numbers and less on, you know, did we get the data? Mm -hmm. Um an interesting thing. So we don't gate anything. Not that we have a lot of stuff we could really gate. Um, but on LinkedIn, I'll, I'll post a piece of content, right? And then in the comments, I will put a link to a landing page for our email list. And I just say, hey, if you enjoyed this post, you can subscribe here. It's just straight value. We don't try to sell anything. And I 
put that link in a post where I said, LinkedIn is not about getting leads. It's about, you know, remembrance for your brand and building relationships. And someone said, haha, like, why would you ever put like something to get leads in the comments then? And I'm like, I, they kind of have a point, but I responded and I said, an email address is not a lead to me at all. And when someone signs up for an email address or signs up for our email list, they're not shoved into a cadence for us to sell to them. They're literally just a subscriber that may do something down the road. 99% of the time, it's not. It's more of yeah. like giving us another platform to talk to these people each week. And the more you think about it, like you can get an email address anyway. It's how you look at it is, is this a lead or is this just like, hey, this is someone that wants to hear more of our content. Well, there's no gotcha. So the smart thing mm -hmm. about what you've just described is that you've said, hey, if you want to read more content like this, give me an email address and I'll send you more content like this. And then that's mm -hmm. exactly what you're doing. You know, yeah. you're not bait and switching them to say, hey, do you want more content like this? Let me know so that I can spam your inbox for the next six weeks and hope that you buy. Right. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. um, <laughs> you know, there's no there's no ulterior motive. You're just mm -hmm. creating content that want that they want to read and they're signing up for more. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, one thing I'm curious about is how do you identify what content your audience actually wants to consume and read? Um, is it just simply talking to customers? How do you guys go about that? Yeah. I mean, at RFPIO, our mantra is really empowering. And I know that sounds like jargon, but um, so most of us want to be the heroes of our own story. Few are given the opportunity to do so in a public way. Um, is reality. And so we've turned case studies into customer stories, not just in name, but also in narrative. Um, we recently did a story with, a, you know, our friend Rhonda at Microsoft. And, and I mean that our friend Rhonda at Microsoft, I didn't lead with the company. And we told Rhonda's story. And it's an awesome story. Um, and the focus is her and her achievements. It's not RFPIO. It's not Microsoft. It's Rhonda and what she did. Um, and then we found a publication of her peers that you know, would make sure they saw the story. Um, and yeah, RFPI was mentioned and we're super grateful to have been part of that success, but we're not the focus of that story. She is. Um, and we didn't publish it in some tech magazine to show how great we are. We published it where her peers would read it and she would be proud to have it, have it shown. Um, so that gives Rhonda the acknowledgement that she can be proud of and hopefully share. Um, and also other Rhondas out there, the inspiration that they need that they can solve challenges like she did. Mm-hmm. I like the the shift that you made from case study to you said it was customer stories, right? Yeah. It's it's really interesting because I would never go to a website specifically looking for a product and look, okay, where am I going to find the case studies? It's just not how I am as a consumer. Most people but aren't. hearing the phrase customer stories actually kind of sparks my interest a little bit more. And it's more inviting. Did you guys see that response when you put out that piece of content? I mean, we've had great response. There's been a mm -hmm. ton of readership of the article, um, both where it's hosted on winning the business as well as on our own um, on our own site. Because yeah, again, people just, they want, they can relate, right? Stories are relatable. That's why they work. Um, yeah, who want, I mean, studies sound very academic, very mm -hmm. long, very monotonous. Um, and maybe there are time and place for studies. I'm not sort of meaning to like give them, <laughs> give them, give them a bad reputation, but yeah. Um, you know, if you're if you're seeking information, you want to study or a benchmark report or something like that. That's there's an appropriate time for that kind of content. But mm -hmm. we've called case studies like it's this big, deep academic thing when most often it's just you're telling the story of a successful customer. Yeah. So when you guys create the 
the customer story or, or case study, whatever um, you want to call it, do you put some paid distribution behind that? Or do you just kind of let it do its thing? Where, where do you distribute it? Depends. Um, you know, we, we try to align the content with who we want to read it. Um, and I know that sounds uh, open-ended, but Mm -hmm. Our solution is made mostly for sales teams. So we tend to focus on outlets that are made for sales and enabling sales. Um, but we also work with publications very close to proposal managers, like the one I mentioned with Rhonda's story on winning the business. Um, we're contributors to CIO Magazine or B2B and tech-specific outlets. So it really kind of depends the relevant the relevancy of that the readership of that media outlet and, and what story we're telling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um- so with a piece of content like that, um, how do you get engagement for it? So you can put it out there and you're excited about it, but how do you know that people are going to receive it well? Do you just kind of test the waters with some smaller pieces? Um, how, oh, yeah, kidding. fingers crossed on that. <laughs> um, I mean, kind of going back to your last question, we ask, um, finding out what people want to know or learn is an under under-pursued thing. Um, I know it's not always that simple, but so often, I mean, I used to work agency side, right? And so often organizations just never do. They never ask um, their readers what they want to learn or read. Um, And so I know we're all probably experiencing a little bit of survey fatigue on LinkedIn. You mentioned LinkedIn. (laughs) There's so many surveys on LinkedIn right now. Um, But I think it's really a great sign because it means people are actively seeking input and advice and information from others. Um, And I'd love to see more companies doing that. And that's what we do. We ask, what do you want to hear? What do you want to see? What can Mm -hmm. we share that would be helpful to you? So when this piece of content goes out, obviously the theme is ungating stuff, right? Um, A question that I see come up is, well, how do we measure the impact of a piece of content like this? Um, and a lot of times people attribute it to straight up SEO because people will consume the content, maybe they pass it along, and then they show up the website through organic because they remember the brand. And then it's, oh, look at our SEO is doing such a good job. Um, is that something that you have to not fight, but address internally to say, look, we saw an uptick over here because look, common sense says it's because we drove so much traffic to this. Have you come across that as well? Yeah, we don't have internal fights about it. You are reminding me of a pretty hilarious story. Um, my team knows that I tell strange anecdotes to illustrate things sometimes. So you'll have to forgive me. Your, re- your watchers <laughs> will have to forgive me a little bit. But um, when I first started at RFPIO, my head of digital and I had this conversation about attribution and, you know, what if it happens over here on paid, but then, yeah, they find their way through and, it, you know, somebody else is getting the credit is what we're always so worried about. Um, And I won't go into the details of it because it was a little bit of a longer illustration, but I likened it to um, selling ketchup and mustard near where hot dogs are sold in the grocery store, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You might get, you know, or no, it wasn't ketchup and mustard. Sorry, it was television. So at the local Fred Meyer here in in Oregon, um, the ketchup and the mustard are by the hot dogs. And on your way to that section is the electronics. And I joke because wives send their husbands or, you know, <laughs> sisters send their brothers or whoever to the grocery store to get food. And they have to walk past this electronics you know, section and no, without fail, my husband will come home with some connector or wire or <laughs> something that he needed that he didn't know he needed until he walked mm-hmm. in to get hot dogs. Right. Um, and, and so it's like attribution. Do we, do we give credit to 
the hot dogs because he was going to get hot dogs and he passed through the thing. Like, I think it's, it's confusing. And I think that's the mm -hmm. whole point, right? Is that we're trying to draw straight lines between things that are not inherently straight. Um, and again, I'm a data-driven marketer. So I say this with all respect for tracking buyer's journeys and things like that. But with content, you look at it, is it getting read? Is it getting consumed, right? As an indicator, a KPI, are you meeting your lead goals? Not connected, but two separate KPIs in parallel, right? Are both doing well. And if your content is driving people to your website and you can in Google Analytics track this, right? Where are the mm -hmm. sources of your traffic coming from? And is that traffic converting? Is it taking the actions you want? Which sometimes is lead gen. It's not always lead gen, right? Are they staying on your site? Are they consuming more content? Are you building relationship with them? Um, all things that we've seen an increasing focus on in marketing, and I'm so glad, but I think we need to keep our eye on that ball and, and say, are we actually building brand recognition, brand relationship longer term, and is the content doing its job? And then if you have content that's really meant to convert, um, is it doing that job? And that's an okay thing to ask too, right? There is content that is more product rich and feature specific. That content should be driving more conversions than you know, a thought leadership post on, I don't know, yeah. why content should be gated. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what we're covering today. But, um, you know, I think you and I are very similar when it comes to being data driven. But you can tell just by how you're talking, your maturity in marketing, because it's you're not measuring the numbers like maybe someone that's brand new would be. So how did you shift that mindset to be like, it's okay, we don't have to measure everything. And I have 100% been there too, where it's like, I want to see the numbers, I want to see where this came from and how it connected to A to B. How have you kind of stepped back and said, you know, even though I'm very data driven, it's okay to kind of let it go? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a process and maybe it's an ongoing process. I think we all slip back into like, where are the leads, right? Um, depending on how you're doing against goal. Um, but I've been in sales. I've had quota. Um, so I think some awareness of what our peers and our other teams are doing in the organization has helped me. You know, kicking leads over because they read a white paper is about as much of a waste of time as going and stomping someone's foot. Like it's not helpful. So, you know. Are you, are you building relationships internally? Are you fostering good? If everything you send is great, sales is going to be excited to receive the leads that you send. Um, and so I think keeping that top of mind, would I want to call this person? Would I want to follow up on this, right? Um, and then using some data. Are, are the leads that I'm sending converting? And if so, at what rate? And what can I do to improve it? And sometimes, you know, it's not just more. It's, you know, focused on what can I eliminate? What friction points can I eliminate? We talk about friction in, in product and in product development a lot or UX, but I think it applies to marketing as well. Are there points of friction between ultimately a purchase and the people that we're starting conversations with? And if we can remember we're human and, and that it's a real journey and not just some jargon of a journey that's mapped out on, you know, a whiteboard or in Visio somewhere, um, I think we can be more thoughtful in, in the interactions. Mm -hmm. When did you realize that it's time to start giving this content away with no strings attached? Was this something recent or has it been your mindset for five years? When did it come into play for you? Um, 
I don't know when exactly that specific thing came into play, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. I said, I think that was more of a journey. <clears throat> I do remember quite a few few years ago, I, and I don't know how many. Time's so squishy for all of us right now, right? Um, but uh, a few gray hairs before now. Um, Brian Kramer wrote a, a book, um, H2A. It's not B2B, it's H2H or something like that about human marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first time that I had seen the word human related to a buyer, right? Before they were leads and they were buyers and they were prospects, right? They were all th- all sorts of things, but they weren't human and they certainly weren't people. And that's a word we use a lot in, in my team when we're planning things out, because I think there's, it reminds us um, you know, that it's, it's not a name on a screen. It's not a record in Salesforce, but there's an actual person on the other end. Um, and it helps us stay human in what we're expecting and giving to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. If you had one tip to help marketers get some eyeballs on their content, what would it be? Do you have one? I mean, it would be to slow down and write something you'd want to read. <laughs> yes. That's really good. Um, in all seriousness, you know, ask one of your friends, ask your colleagues, would you read this? And if the answer is no, delete it or throw it away if you wrote it mm-hmm. on paper, right? Like um, too often we're on this hamster wheel of more and more and more cranking it out at volume. And um, I have to give a shout out because I know I've mentioned a ton of like uh, shared outlets and media outlets, but RFPIO's blog actually creates a lot of content. I think we post a blog every week. So shout out to Madeline and RD for doing an amazing job. But um, you can look through the blog and there's there's stories, there's places to connect. It's not a blog about our product, right? It's a blog about our audience and about the things that they're managing with. It's a focus on education and things they want to learn. It's things we'd want to read if we were a proposal manager or a salesperson. Um, and so, yeah, would you want to read it? If not, stop creating it. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the best rules of um, that you can take into consideration is content marketing is educational. It's not promotional. And if you look at it and it's like even secretly promotional where it's like this backhanded, like, oh, by the way, like this is obviously what we do and we're really good at it because here's how you should reach out. Like even that, it's just people can smell that from a mile away. And if you just keep it straight educational, then people will eventually reach out. They might not respond uh, immediately, but they're going to remember you. They might, hopefully they'll be coming back for more and ultimately you're building the relationship with them. Uh, So definitely look at it through that lens. Yeah, I mean, I I believe people don't really want to buy software. They want to buy partnership, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to buy something we can turn on because we know by now we've been doing this enough as marketers that we know there's not a magic bullet. I'm not going to install software and magically all of my problems go away and everything is fixed. We know that there needs to be assistance on the other end to say, how am I using the software? How can I use it better? Right? How How can I control the software to actually improve the lives of the people I'm working with? And so you need that human on the other end. And so if you're helpful through your content, through your relationship building, through your sales process, you actually seek to help the other person, whether it helps you or not, um, they're going to think of you as a helpful source. And when Mm -hmm. they go to buy partners, they're going to have that trust. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's what you should be doing in organic channels. And you have to stop selling. It's not where you're trying to capture the demand. It's where you create it so that they think about you later. And you're absolutely right about that. Agreed. So 
Let's move on to one of my favorite parts of the show where you, you mentioned that you've done podcasts before. I think it was when we were off air. Um, yeah. So I'm going to hand the mic to you. And <laughs> I don't, don't know if you listen to the show, you know, this is coming, but um, <laughs> where you become the podcast host and you ask me any questions that you have for the next few minutes or so, whatever comes to your mind. So is there anything that you have that you, you'd like me to answer? Uh, the most obvious one from one podcast host to the other is why podcasting? Why podcasting? That's a great one. Um, so here's our strategy behind it. Uh, for us, we sell to B2B SaaS companies. So the best way for us to talk to customers and even people that aren't going to be customers is simply on a podcast. So we learn the industry, we build relationships, we make connections. And I think the biggest mistake that companies make is they try to use their podcast as an avenue to sell. So for example, I would have you on the show and I'd say, Angela, that was a great talk. By the way, you have five minutes to discuss like what we do, like, would you be interested? That's so sleazy to me and it's not right. So to me, this is an opportunity to learn from a fantastic marketer. There's like not you. an infomercial at the end of this? <laughs> no infomercial. <laughs> and in addition to that, distribute the content because you're way smarter than I am when it comes to B2B marketing. So we're going to distribute it to an audience that's a broad audience instead of just you and me. And more people get to have value from it with no strings attached. So that was um, that's our strategy behind our podcast. That's awesome. Sounds like a good reason to subscribe. Before we go, uh, I do have a question uh, as for like, what is RFPIO? I would like like the 30 second um, <laughs> elevator pitch if you have it so that people can know if they want to reach out. Yeah, we're making the process of creating sales content, whether that's responses or proposals easier at the end of mm -hmm. the day. Very cool. Well, that's easy enough. I like that short and sweet. Awesome. Well, Angela, thank you so much again for joining me on the show. Um, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I definitely preach ungating, just deliver value whenever possible and with no strings attached, people will remember you for it. So I appreciate you hopping on with me. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Sam. <laughs>